0: Hey everyone, Dynasty Zoltan here. Just wanted to let you know that if you are not currently driving, you should go subscribe to my YouTube channel and watch this podcast on YouTube. I'll have all of the trades up that Jacob and I are discussing on there so it's easy to follow along. And while you're there, make sure to give that channel a subscribe. I'm going to be putting a lot of great content up there uh, that I think you'll all enjoy a lot if you like listening to this podcast. So enjoy the podcast. Check me out on YouTube at Old Zoltan. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Dynasty Zoltan podcast. I have a first-time guest with me today, a name that you might not be super familiar with, but you might recognize the voice. So welcome on to Dynasty X Factor. How's it going, man? Hey, man. How
1: are you? I'm doing well myself. Um, Pleasure to be back with you. This is not my first time, but my first time with my new alias, Dynasty X Factor, you might remember me from uh, my days as Dynasty Jacobian. We're uh, we're rebranding here a little bit as Josh Jacobs, uh, Believers, have won the day. He is our standard league RB1 overall from last year, and now we're going to figure out what other players uh, we have out there that are X Factors, and some of them will be featured in uh, Mike and I's podcast here today as we discuss... Uh, A lot of trades that you've submitted to him, um, and we're going to figure out how to digest those and uh, help you figure out what you want to do as you navigate the rest of this offseason.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, definitely give uh, Jacob a follow at Dynasty X Factor if you don't already um, so just going to lay out how this podcast is going to work. First of all, these are all trades. That's what all of this podcast is going to be. These are all dynasty trades. And for the most part, it's 12 team superflex PPR half point tight end premium leagues. I will say if it is otherwise, um, definitely make sure to check us out. Uh, check me out on YouTube. This post, this podcast is going to be up there as well if you want to be able to see the trades in front of you. Uh, we're sharing that screen here so Jacob and I can keep track as well. And then one thing I want to point out is my patrons submitted a bunch of these trades. So you're going to hear things like Team A is receiving these players and they are redraft rank 7th, Dynasty rank 4th. What that essentially means is that the Dynasty diagnostics I do through my Patreon Um, has determined that they're the seventh best team in the league for 2023, but their total redraft value is fourth in the league. That'll give some context here, especially when considering the value of future picks going in either direction. Uh, So without further ado, let's get started on the first trade. Uh, And it's a good one. I I think there's a good one to dive into. Uh, We have Team A receiving Chris Godwin, Aaron Jones, and a 2024 third. And we have Team B receiving Kendra Miller, a 2024 first and a 2024 second. So that the first and the second is from a team that is ranked redraft 7th and dynasty 4th. So those can project to be about mid to late first and second round picks there. Which side do you like Jacob?
1: You know, personally I'm going with team B here and I'll tell you why. Uh you know, objectively the value across the board seems fair. Godwin's worth approximately a mid to late first Aaron Jones approximately the mid to late second. And I'll say Kendra Miller goes above that third, but you know, we'll give some breathing room depending on if you're a contender and you put a, a little bit of a higher evaluation on Godwin and Jones. Um the reason I'm going with Team B here is simply because I think you can uh you can get better you can get better players uh yeah, for too. those picks than what we're talking about here. See Godwin and Jones with their age and their situations, their value, regardless of how they perform is only going to go down at this point. And uh, you could probably get a better player or a better pair of players for those picks.
0: Yeah, I agree. So this trade makes sense. We've a rebuilding team, getting picks and a young running back, and we have a contending team getting some win now assets. My question here would be, if you're Team A and you're willing to trade your first and second round pick to step up into contention, who are some players that you're targeting?
1: I'd be targeting someone I'm expecting to produce right now, who's also going to produce in the in the future. So I'm not necessarily concerned as much about upside as I am about value longevity. So somebody uh, that comes to mind is somebody like Jerry Judy, uh, you know, a guy who's 24, 25. Uh, will maintain his value for the next three years, has put up a nice floor. Um, and, you know, you could probably get him for a first and a second.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a good suggestion. And it's it's one of the things that you do really well Um you do not like having your for your future first round picks, which isn't necessarily the strategy I recommend, but you've made it work for you because you use those picks to acquire young players who are 23, 24 years old and aren't really going to lose a lot of value in a year or two. So you make these value insulated trades. So I don't love trading a future first and second round pick for guys who are over the aging curve and not likely going to provide, you know, top five at their position production. So I think I'm on the same page with you there. I'll take team B. So next, what we have is a set of four trades, and these are all Jacob's trades. So I grouped them all together. Uh, I, actually, the first, the first three of them are Jacob trades. The fourth one, I believe, is my trade. And I want to use this as, an, as a time to talk about Dalvin Cook. So in all four of these trades, we have team A receiving Dalvin Cook. And on Team B, trade one, it's Derrick Henry. Trade two, they get Aaron Jones in a 2024 third. Trade three, it's Dalvin for Alexander Madison. And trade four, it's Dalvin for Joe Mixon. Uh, Dynasty X Factor posts a lot of his trades as polls on Twitter. Uh, The trade with Henry, Henry got 73%. The trade with Aaron Jones, that side got 75%. Dalvin Cook got 60% of the vote over Alexander Madison, and Dalvin got 41% of the vote over Joe Mixon. So it looks like you went on a bit of a Dalvin Cook acquisition spree. I see you're wearing your Tua Tagovailoa Dolphins jersey right now, and I wonder if that has something to do with it. But can you tell me why are you so hopeful for Dalvin Cook right now?
1: You know, I understand what the metrics say about Dalvin Cook and, and what, how his play is uh, apparently regressed. Um, Last year, but when I look at aging running backs, um, especially the type that have produced as well as Dalvin Cook has uh, over the course of his career, I'm not really looking at the metrics because I trust their ability. I trust their mind in the game uh, as much as I'm looking for, do they still have that burst? Uh, Do they still have that quickness? Because if you look like Kareem Hunt and you look like you're carrying a piano on your back, I'm not going to trust your game moving forward. Dalvin Cook to me looked like he was in tremendous shape last year. Um, So I'm still buying in on the talent uh, in the short term. And then we also know what he was dealing with in Minnesota, which was a horrendous offensive line uh, and a pass heavy catch up offense that they, that they consistently had to run. So um, for me, Dalvin Cook, what I'm expecting here is, you know, once he gets signed by a team, we're looking at like the Patriots who will be, you know, volume for days for Dalvin. We're looking at, uh, Dolphins who, you know, high-powered offense with a quarterback that likes checking it down, a uh, really good offensive line there. Um, these are situations where Dalvin Cook's value would see an immediate boost. People would get excited about that. Um, so I wanted to buy Dalvin before he was acquired so that once he is acquired, some contender might knock on my door and I might be able to flip him for a late 24 first. Uh, to, to buy him right now, I'm like mainly looking at other aging veterans uh that i want to kind of just shift into dalvin cook because dalvin's going to have this natural acquisition value boost whereas these other players you know they're kind of old news they're old guys that no one's interested in so it's really about getting into a more liquid market uh that would you know present an opportunity to flip an aging asset
0: yeah and i think that does make sense particularly if dalvin cook signs in miami i think that if he signs in New England or the Jets, you're likely going to lose some value in these deals, um, just because he doesn't have a clear path to a you know full bell cow role in those offenses. But if he sounds in my, if he signs in Miami, which seems to be the favor right now, I agree that the hype might lift him above some of those other guys. Personally, you know they're all in a similar range to me. But I look at like I made that last trade where I acquired Joe Mixon for Galvin Cook. Joe Mixon has outscored Dalvin cook by at least three points a game. In the last two years, he's a year younger than Dalvin cook. He's locked into the number one role without much threat on the best offense in the NFL or one of them. So to me, I'm going to take him over Dalvin cook, but I like taking Dalvin over Madison. Um, I understand taking him over Henry and getting two years younger. I probably wouldn't have made uh, the first two trades that you made, but I, I understand where you're coming from. And, I think that the metrics are maybe overstating his decline a little bit because he was coming down from such a high point.
1: Now my question for you is, does your opinion on the first two trades change if he is signed with Miami?
0: Um, I think at that point I would have Dalvin Cook rated higher than Aaron Jones. Um, and I don't really care about a 2024 20, third. So I, I, my mind would change there. I would take Dalvin. Um, as far as Derrick Henry goes... To me, it's like, I just want the upside of the 21 points a game that Derrick Henry might be able to get you for another year or two um, instead of Dalvin. But like in reality, Derrick Henry goes three to four rounds in ADP before Dalvin. So um, rarely are you actually having to make this exact trade off here. Right. Um, let's move on to the next set, uh, to the next trade. Uh, this is a. Oops. My bad. This is a big one uh, that I made uh, with your help, Jacob. I think you're advising me here, and uh, I want to use this as an opportunity to talk about some of these players in in particular. So let me know what stands out here. But two contending teams here. I ended up acquiring Trevor Lawrence, Kenneth Walker, Rashad Bateman, Sam Laporta, and a 2024 second and third. And I gave up Justin Fields, Alexander Madison, Isaiah Pacheco. Jerry Judy and Chig Akonkwo. So basically where this came down was my trading partner preferred fields to Lawrence preferred Judy to Walker preferred Aconquo to Laporta. And I was able to get the value of Rashad Bateman for Madison. And then a few picks out of that. So tell me how you would analyze, you know, some of those trade-offs here.
1: Yeah. So, um, basically what this comes down to me is, uh, there's four main players and then a lot of noise and you know it's, it's Lawrence and Walker and then Fields and Judy and to me that that roughly cancels out and uh you know Walker has a little bit more market value than Jerry Judy Lawrence uh is a bit lower than Fields so Team B here has Fields and Judy they're winning on both of those or they they have more value on that side so you have to kind of make up for it with the uh the other pieces here. You have Bateman, who's you know late first, early second. You have Sam Laporta, a second round pick, uh, and then the 2024 seconds. So you have three seconds to pay for those upgrades. And you're kind of leveling that out with Alexander Madison, Pacheco, and Okonkwo, who uh, is an exciting Ted End. Um, but basically, for me, it's like if I'm going to be talking about dishing three seconds, and I'm getting a, a better floor, um, and then just more upside in Fields and Judy. I think that's worth it in and of itself. And the fact that you're able to add Madison Pacheco and Aconquo to the mix, uh, you're not only negating those uh, that extra value that you're giving up there in Bateman Laporte in the second, um, but you're also adding more more fuel to your upside on team B. So like, for me, it's a resounding win for team B. You're just getting better assets overall. Um, you're also getting less risk. You know, Lawrence, he's not a running quarterback like fields is uh, he's, he looks to be a good pocket passer, um, but he's going to have to be an excellent pocket passer. What he did over the past few weeks of the season, he's going to have to do in the long-term week in week out. We'll see if he can do it. We know he's that kind of prospect for Walker. I mean, nobody pounded the table harder for for Walker than I did last season. I love the talent, but, you know, and I I was low on Zach Charbonnet, but Zach Charbonnet coming in there, second round pick, uh, he's a better pass catching back. He's a great pass blocker. It just really makes me worry about Ken Walker establishing himself as a three down back, and if he's not, then I think he's overpriced at this point, despite how good he is.
0: Yeah, I understand this, and I've 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 made this comp before between the Walker Charbonnet and a Tony Pollard Zeke Elliott type of situation. So I think both can succeed, and I think Walker's just a more talented player. And ultimately, I think he'll still be quite. I think he'll be at least as good as Jerry Judy this year, especially when you factor in the positional scarcity there. But for me, this was about upgrading from a Conquo to Laporta, upgrading from Alexander Madison to Rashad Bateman. And then in my opinion, upgrading from Fields to Lawrence. But I understand that there can be disagreements there. Um, Fields oh, so undoubtedly have, has higher upside. So you I, have I Fields
1: over that. Lawrence? No, I mean, have Lawrence, Lawrence over
0: Fields. I do. Yeah, I have Lawrence over Fields. I mean, I look at the way that Lawrence performed in the second half of last year. And I think he's just a safe bet to be a top sixth quarterback in the league, well, Fields might not be starting next season. So I understand the upside is Ooh. the opposite of that. Yeah, no, I... I listen. That's spicy. I, I am not convinced by Justin Fields at all. Maybe it's not next season. Maybe it's two years from now. But remember, after Daniel Jones had that hot stretch, his rookie season where he was running a lot, he put up 19 points a game over the second half of that last year. I know that's not as good as what Fields was doing. And he wasn't accurate at all. And Fields has not been accurate. They invested more in this offense. It's time for him to be a real NFL quarterback and not just a toddler playing Madden. So we'll see if he's able to do it. But I uh, I have my concerns about Justin Fields. I'll just leave it at that. So if I can go to a guy like Trevor Lawrence, who if you look at Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, who to me are the two closest comps. They've put up 23 and a half point per game seasons in the last two years. I think Lawrence can get there as soon as this year. So I'm going to take the safety of that, but I understand your perspective as well. I think it's a pretty fair trade. Uh, Yeah, it's a good trade. Let's move on. Talk about the next one. Uh, This was submitted by one of my patrons, Flair Spion. Uh, We got, he is receiving Chris Alave and Sky Moore. And for that, he gave up Kyle Pitts and a 2024 fourth rounder. And this is in a league that has a half point tight end premium. What do you think?
1: Ah, man, I'm going Kyle Pitts. I love Olave. I still believe in Sky Moore, but the upside Pitts presents at his age at the tight end position is just so unique. You know, wide receivers are so much more replaceable. And you know, Chris Olave, he's in he's an incredible zone eater and he's going to get his targets, but He's not the profile of a a, a guy who's going to uh, prevent somebody from or from the Saints from bringing in like a true deep ball, uh, big man, ex-receiver threat. Um, so, you know, Alave, I worry about his long-term value. Kyle Pitts, I think we've seen enough regardless of, you know, their quarterback situation to know that he's going to be a force in this league uh, sooner rather than later. So I'm going Pitts. Getting that advantage at tight ends, big deal. Sky Moore is not enough.
0: Yeah, I I think that's probably right. Ultimately, I do have Pitts basically two tiers above Chris Olave, And, you know, I love Sky Moore more than anyone else and probably more than anyone reasonably should. But I still don't think that's enough for me. Um, It's just the positional advantage, like you were talking about, that makes you have a guy like Kyle Pitts. Because if both of these... Let's say Alave Skymore and Kyle Pitts all hit their logical ceiling. Kyle Pitts will be by far the most valuable of those players um, with good reason. So I'm probably taking Kyle Pitts there. I've never uh, known you as a Pitts fan. Is this, are you coming around or were other people just too high on him? What's your thinking there?
1: No, I mean like, here's the thing, like, I have a problem with rookie tight ends being valued as highly as Pitts was because what's inevitably going to happen, and it didn't really happen with Pitts because Pitts kind of killed it his his first year, but there is going to be a struggle point, especially when you're talking about a team as bad as the Falcons, where you know you have QB turmoil, you have Ritter and Ryan unable to throw touchdowns. Um, there's just a lot of volatility there, and people will start getting bored. Uh, the market value of pits has dropped and now that he's two rounds cheaper he's still 23 i don't have to wait for him to get in a groove i'm now expecting him to be in that groove um and i'm getting him at a lower price so i've just bided my time meanwhile i've been chilling with tj hawkinson drafting him in the fifth sixth round getting top three tight end production and you know i might have to add you know a second round pick to him to get three years younger Uh, it's not really you know that's kind of like my philosophy of it is I'm not going to pay up to wait on a tight end especially when I'm expecting to be able to get him when he's going to produce at a cheaper value and you know what if Kyle Pitts came in and he put up 10 touchdowns a year we wouldn't be having this conversation the people who would have bought him at 112 overall would have been happy with that purchase but what's the upside there he would have been gone like 1.7, 1.8 right around Chase Jefferson. That's not exactly a huge level of upside we're talking. So it was more about a, you know timing, uh, what what the asset is, yeah. what the upside is. And right now the upside for Kyle Pitts is a league record. Like he could be producing the same level as Travis Kelsey, and he can be 23 years old. If I can get that in the third round of a startup, late second round of a startup, I'm thrilled. Um, if I'm having to pay first round price tag for a guy that still needs to establish his red zone abilities and has QB uh, instability, uh, it's it's a less safe purchase for me. That's that's where. Yeah,
0: I, I get that, and it's a good way to say it. He he hasn't changed. Your opinion hasn't changed. Just the price has changed. One thing I want to make clear about Kyle Pitts is that his first two seasons, despite being hypothetically disappointing, puts him in elite company. Since Mm -hmm. 2000, he is the ninth ninth tight end to put up more than 1,300 yards in their first two seasons. The other eight tight ends all have had at least three top five seasons and have combined for over 50 t- top five tight end seasons. Those eight guys are George Kittle, Gronkowski, Jimmy Graham, Aaron Hernandez, Jeremy Shark- Shockey, Mark Andrews, Antonio Gates, and Jason Witten. Literally just the best tight ends of the last 20 years. And Kyle and, Pitts is right in the middle of there.
1: And if I may add to this, he's done that without having touchdowns. Yep. You know, yep. like you're expecting your tight end to be a threat. Uh, and in without red having zone.
0: any quarterback play. it's Exactly. It's, I think he is might be other than Kyler Murray, who we'll get to in some future trade questions, the best value in dynasty right now. Um, so let's move on to another trade uh, that you made, and maybe you can explain your thought process behind it. I believe you went on a bit of a selling Kenneth Walker binge. Um, in this trade, Team A receives Kenneth Walker, Damian Harris, Devin Singletary, and a twenty twenty six second. And Team B receives Michael Pittman and DeAndre Swift. And in the Twitter poll, Team A received 64% of the vote. So people preferred Walker and the package to Pittman and Swift. Uh, why don't you tell me what your thought process was here?
1: Quite honestly, I expected the poll to be 75% Swift and Pittman, and I was kind of shocked that it wasn't. Yeah. Um I, I know that the market's not there, but I have Swift over Walker flat out. And and mm. you know, I, I've always viewed Swift as a better talent than Walker. Um, and we we're talking about that PPR upside that Swift has that Walker probably doesn't have with or without Charbonnet. Um, you put Swift in that Eagles offense and we're and we're hoping that he gets the usage that he never got in Detroit, not because of his play, but because of Dan Campbell's decision to go with Jamal Williams, despite Jamal Williams running for like one yard a carry every time. Um, So for me, when I take out Swift and Walker, because, you know, I'm not going to sell Walker for Swift straight up because of the market, but I'm okay with it. I'm okay in a bigger trade saying Swift, Walker, Wash Pittman for, Damian Harris, who I, I view as almost meaningless, uh, Devin Singletary, same, same boat, you know, meaningless, yep. and a, a 2026 20, second. I think that's an absolute steal for Michael Pittman, uh, who to me is actually a tremendous value. Some guy, some guy, I'm really targeting right now. Uh, if you look at his objective stats, like he's been pretty solid overall, despite you know having horrendous quarterback play um some some he's a guy that's young he's big he's got the x-roll solidified uh you know they just got anthony richardson fourth overall uh you know if richardson pans out there could be a big boost to michael pittman this year
0: yeah and i think downs is going to be good for him as well as well as some of those tight ends improving a little bit um i mean to me, I don't have Walker equal to Swift. I do prefer Kenneth Walker and I prefer him as a talent. But if if you prefer if you have Swift and Walker equal as a talent, then I completely do understand this. Um and I would probably take the Swift side either way, because you are getting Pittman for essentially three throw ins. I mean a, a second round pick's not a throw in, but a twenty twenty-six second, it's 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 not that it's not worth the whole lot right now the way most people play. So I would take your side here and I'm surprised that the market hadn't adjusted to being lower on Walker. I mean, if you look at this from startup perspective, Kenneth Walker's a fourth, Michael Pittman's a fifth, Deandre Swift is a sixth, and then Harris and Singletary are what 14th round picks. So I'm definitely on your side here. Next deal is a trade that I did, um, with, uh, uh, Matt who, you know, um, in which I had a team that was uh, redraft eighth in value and dynasty sixth in value. And it was ready to shift to a complete rebuild because I tried to do something different in this startup and go all in. And I am not good at that strategy. So I ended up trading Joe Mixon straight up for Trey Lance. Uh, curious your opinion on this one for one swap. Uh, I'm going to pull up the Twitter poll while you check this out. It was 59% Trey Lance is what the Twitter poll was at.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm on the Trey Lance side too. I I quite frankly don't understand why anybody's selecting Joe Mixon here. Um you know, yeah, I get the redraft mentality of going for Joe Mixon, but with Trey Lance, I feel like you could get a younger running back who would be a back end RB one.
0: So good. if you if if you're on a contending team, let's say Trey Lance is your third or fourth quarterback and you're looking to cash in on him for some value, what running back might you target? Like DeAndre uh, Swift, J.K. Dobbins, that type of guy?
1: I mean, I would love to get J.K. Dobbins for Trey Lance. I just don't know if that's possible where Trey Lance's market's sitting. If I could get Javante or DeAndre Swift or Najee Harris uh, for Trey Lance and a, a little bit more, uh, I would probably do that. Uh, so but right if, we're now, going, if we're going yeah, the So right now... Enough,
0: uh, Right now, according to ADP, Trey Lance is going in the sixth. But in the startups I've seen since this new Purdy news, he's going more at the 7-8 turn. And the running backs around there are Miles Sanders, Rashad White, Joe Mixon, and Cam Akers. Are you taking any of those running backs over Lance?
1: I'm not. um, Like, my stance on on Trey Lance is what it has been this entire offseason in that week one he's going to be the starting quarterback – I know these reports are saying uh, Brock Purdy is in the lead, whatever Brock Purdy deserves to to get the nod, but we're going to see them play in uh, preseason games. And, you know, Trey Lance, what he can do with his arm, blows what Brock Purdy can do with his arm out of the water. Um, He was drafted third overall for a reason. Brock Purdy, he managed a game. He did well at that. But, you know, he just had a UCL tear, partial tear of his UCL. He didn't have the best arm before. It's going to not look good. I'm telling you. When we come to the preseason games, we see Brock Purdy throw for the 49ers to justify the the subpar talent they'll get from him uh, on a team that otherwise could contend. I just yeah. don't. I just don't understand how they're going to make that call. And regardless, if Trey Lance doesn't play at all this year, he will get an opportunity. Somebody will give him an opportunity down the line. The second he gets that opportunity, we're going to see what happened to Jordan Love happen, where he's immediately going to have round seven value at a minimum. So you're talking about Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon's going to have no value in a year. Uh, it's questionable yeah. if he's even going to play because he just got he might get suspended for uh, off-the-field things. So I don't know. Joe Mixon's a player that's always – overrated individually um and clearly he can't yeah keep no his I, I agree
0: with that and and i think what's key yeah. that you said is that trey lance will get a chance since 2000 of the 69 quarterbacks drafted in the first round not including the ones taken this year lance and jordan love only two qbs have started less than 12 career games and if you limit that to quarterbacks taken in the first 15 picks lance of course was taken number three overall all of those QBs started at least 21 games. So that is basically the floor is you can expect Lance to be given an opportunity for a full season. He has not been given that opportunity yet and he's going to get it probably I'd say next year, but even it might be this year, even if it's next year, I like this trade. This next one is a startup trade that comes to us from R Correll R. This is a startup that I am currently in and hosting at the moment. Uh, And he was at the 101 and traded back from the 101 to the 110 and picked up the 203 in the meantime, giving up the 1201. So it was the 101 and the 1201 for the 110 and the 203. From a player perspective, that turned out to be Patrick Mahomes and whoever goes at the 1201 for Justin Fields and Kyler Murray. What do you think of this one?
1: Oh, it's a smash for the the, uh, Fields-Kyler side, like completely destroying the Mahomes. This is why you want to get the first two picks in the draft is because you can make deals like this. But you're talking about Fields and Kyler. Each individually could put up more points per game at any year than Patrick Mahomes. You have both of them.
0: Yeah. No, I I think that's very well said. And I I like what you said about wanting to get the number one pick in the draft, even in a third-round reversal. If you're in a Derby draft – Take the early pick because you can make a trade like this. You can downgrade a small amount at quarterback and basically just get a two for one. Um, so I'm I'm definitely on the same page as you there. If if you are at the 110, what's the most you'll pay to get to the 101? Just like a random first?
1: I wouldn't I wouldn't pay a first. Like yeah, I I I've, I see no value ever. In trading up from a guy like Fields or Kyler to Mahomes, it just—I'm not going to pay significant a, a significant amount to get a player where the guy I'm giving up in that trade uh, could outproduce them in any given year. So I, yep. maybe maybe two two seconds.
0: Yeah. To and, increase and the floor. Remember, in 2021, Patrick Mahomes had 22.9 points a game, and Kyler Murray had 22.2 points a game. So so another completely agree.
1: It, where I would do a first would be if I'm also getting younger. So now we're talking about like a guy like Dak Prescott. Yeah. If I can increase my ceiling and get younger, now we can talk about my future first. But if I'm not getting any younger and my upside is the same, there's no reason to touch the first.
0: Yeah, so basically you would rather pay more to go from the 210 to the 110 than you would to go from the 110 to the 101.
1: Yeah, it comes down to... How much more upside am I gaining in that individual trade? What is it doing to my floor and what's what's it doing to my age? We're we're talking about like the the pound per pound impact of each dollar you spend, yep. right? So like if I'm if I'm getting less for what I'm spending, we're talking about the law of diminishing returns. It it just doesn't make sense to consolidate up into my homes unless you're getting a good deal, and this is not a good deal.
0: All right, I like it. Next, we have a Josh Jacobs trade. This is a team acquiring Josh Jacobs is ranked first in redraft and third in dynasty. The team trading away Josh Jacobs is ranked sixth in redraft and ninth in dynasty. So clearly a team looking to rebuild traded away Josh Jacobs and they received Trey Lance and Luke Musgrave. We were talking about Lance earlier. You said, that trading him for Mixon wasn't enough, but for a young guy, you would do it. I assume Jacobs fits the bill?
1: I don't consider Josh Jacobs a young guy, which is sort of why I'm rebranding now. He's going to reach his time where he starts aging out. Um, That being said, Jacobs still has, you know, at least two years of uh, top 12 running back uh, production in him, maybe more. We'll see what his contract ends up being. But, uh, you know, I think that this would be an excellent return if you're giving up Trey Lance, you're, you're really increasing your floor. Your, your short-term upside is there. Um, I don't really understand it from the team that is getting Trey Lance. I just feel like, uh, Josh Jacobs at this point nets more, regardless of where you're standing. I think you should be able to get more for your Josh Jacobs share.
0: So my question is, I, I agree with you in production this year matters, but July 4th, 2024, 366 days from now. Do you think Trey Lance or Josh Jacobs will be worth more? Josh Jacobs will be 26, by the way.
1: Um, It depends. If Trey Lance plays and Trey Lance ends up Let's say Trey
0: Lance doesn't play, but he's a starting quarterback in some neutral situation.
1: If Trey Lance doesn't play, I think that Josh Jacobs, the 26-year-old Josh Jacobs and Trey Lance- Will have approximately the same value. I think if he's Trey Lance is slated to be the starter, um, and Josh Jacobs is a 26-year-old running back, Trey Lance will be approximately what Jordan Love is now. Yep. And then Josh Jacobs will be kind of in that seventh round area where you know Nick Chubb is. Uh, and
0: and that's exactly the guy I was gonna go to Nick Chubb the last two years has averaged 15 and 16 points a game. The last two years, Josh Jacobs has averaged 15 and 19 points a game. So I agree. Josh Jacobs should be rated at least in the fifth, sixth round next year. So I'm taking the Jacobs side here as well. Um, We got another trade coming here from Flair Spion. He acquired Kyler Murray and Brees Hall, giving up Anthony Richardson, Josh Jacobs, and a 2025 third rounder. What do you think?
1: Uh, I'm right here. I'm on team a side going with Kyler Murray and Brees Hall. I have Kyler Murray over Richardson and Brees Hall over Jacobs for age reasons only. Um, And I will, I will say this. I really hope team a has their own first pick first round pick. And if they don't, we should have a serious discussion about timing your trades because you should Mm. have acquired your first round pick before you did this because if you got your first round pick and then you get Kyler and Brees to tank your first six weeks, you just did a—you just got all that added bonus of increasing the value of your first round pick. Um, that being said, regardless, if you don't have your first round pick, couldn't get your first round pick back, I still think team A receives this. They're getting the better quarterback. They're getting the a, a running back that could be just as good, looks to be just as good, um, and is younger. So I'm on team A's side.
0: Yeah, I'm taking team A easily. I mean, even if you've Richardson and Kyler equal, which I disagree with, but I, I guess hypothetically I understand. Um, I'm just kidding. I really don't understand. But you got to take Brees Hall over Josh Jacobs, who I love. But, you know, I've talked a lot about Brees Hall, literally the, maybe the best running back in the league last year. You got to get him uh, and save basically that three to four years.
1: Man, I love hearing you say that you love Josh Jacobs. That is yeah. wonderful. That is hey, absolutely wonderful.
0: The best the best analysts need to be humble and know when uh, they have uh, been incorrect and be willing to adjust their opinions. Brees Hall's another guy I wasn't high enough on and I've come around on. So you know,
1: I wasn't either, but he definitely showed his explosiveness, and I he really hope so he gets impressive. that back. Me I too. really hope he gets that back.
0: Me too. Um, speaking of players that I have been down on, we got a one-for-one one here. Uh, I believe you made this trade with Jacob Sanderson, another friend of ours, uh, where you acquired George Pickens and traded away Jameson Williams. Is that right, or am I getting this the wrong way?
1: You flip-flopped it. I got J-Mo.
0: Okay, um, so you got J-Mo yeah. straight up for George Pickens. In the Twitter poll, Pickens got 36% of the vote. Tell me why you like j over Pickens.
1: I, I'm not sure I do. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, <laughs> Uh I you know, I like both of these guys um and for very different reasons. And I think this trade just came down to the fact that I've acquired a ton of George Pickens this offseason mm. and I don't have many Jameson Williams shares. So I wanted to move into that market and just give myself a little bit of diversification in the portfolio. Yeah. Um Jameson objectively has a higher ADP. Uh I'm not sure why. Uh, given he hasn't played and so George I, Pickens had 800 yards in his rookie year. Um, yeah.
0: So I, I think I can try to explain this because I wasn't high on either player coming out. I know you really liked Jameson Williams. I, I believe you were do. incredibly high on him. Yeah. So, still do. so to me, and I think to some of the more analytically minded people, um, George Pickens did not have a rookie season that would pretend a super high upside in his future. Um, so as someone, I would prefer the mystery box of Jamison Williams over the player that I saw in George Pickens in the same way that I would prefer a random future first over George Pickens. So I, I understand it, but I really do get both sides of it because Pickens did flash last year and we've seen obviously nothing from Jamo.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I I'd actually like to dive into maybe not on this podcast, but in the future, um, the analytical flaws mm-hmm. of George Pickens because you know he's one player that I strongly disagree with the analytical community on um, because based on his play uh I, you know I understand what the metrics are but given the context with Kenny Pickett being a bad quarterback Mitch Trubisky being a bad quarterback a, a scheme that was completely new for the entire offense since Ben left um, and you got a, a rookie who uh, barely played in college because he dealt with back injuries Um, based on what he flashed and, and what his raw numbers suggest, I I don't see how he is missing upside. He has some serious physical gifts um, that if they are refined, we will see a massive jump in my opinion, in these, these foundational elements that, you know, are, are, necessary for those small analytical details to just kind of support his game.
0: Yeah. I I think, I think you make, you make some good points because Pickens suffered from the fact that he was good enough to get on the field all the time. So the analytics that are bad for him, like, like his target share, for instance, which is just like 16% for his type of receiver is just terrible. But not only is he playing with good target competition, But he's playing all the time, so it's not like a Kadarius Tony who's only on the field when he's supposed to be one of the main targets. George Pickens is running all those plays where he's just creating space for the rest of the players on the team. And he played a lot his first eight weeks when rookies typically struggle, so that brings down his numbers as well. I just see him more as like a Mike Williams type. Like I don't see the immense upside to be an elite target earner. I don't personally see a path to him getting a 25 plus percent target share, which is what I'm looking for. Um, However, I, I do understand what you're saying. And I think that the analytical community might be too down on him. Because the film community was, or not really the film community, but the highlight community was too high on him for a while. So when he was a fourth round startup pick, because he made three really cool catches, I was like, oh, I hate this guy. But now he's like a seventh round startup pick, and I don't hate him anymore. Like that value I completely understand. So I, I get that.
1: I I would hate him above a seventh round pick. All I'm saying is there's tremendous upside. Yeah. that Because like realistically – uh a guy with Pickens profile, if he refines his game, there's no reason he couldn't jump up to the third round of startups. Like that he has that kind of upside it's, it, in my it's opinion.
0: Right. I mean, if you're a believer, it's like DK Metcalf, right? Like that's kind of what you're looking for.
1: No, I see the thing is is uh I don't think Pickens has DK Metcalf's upside. You're right. I don't I, think
0: he's that athlete, and he's not he's just not he's not shifty enough. Like I really just think he's like I'm not going to call him fancy Nico Collins because that's a that's a little bit too mean, but he's got a fancy Nico Collins.
1: So, I mean, like if he can refine his game, his upside, his his player comp is Hopkins, a less athletic version of DK Metcalf. But that is like an extremely high bar to meet. I'm not suggesting that I'm expecting anything like that. But somewhere between Mike Williams and DeAndre Hopkins is what I'm thinking. Mike Williams, to me, has been one of the most overrated players in the game, and it's because he didn't have the elite traits that Pickens have. Pickens has the incredible hands. Like, he really – anything that comes near him, he brings in. Mike Williams can, like, go up and get it, but his hands are inconsistent. So, like, the plays that we are hoping – for Pickens to be able to make, I think he has the tools that Mike Williams doesn't have to make those plays. I think he's just going to be a better contested catch receiver. Now, whether or not he can uh, develop his fundamental footwork and the things that you need to get added separation, like Deandre Hopkins does is really what's going to, for me uh, is really what's going to determine whether or not he can become a top notch receiver. Uh, But in terms of floor and what I'm expecting, I like, there's no reason he can't be a consistently good contested catch receiver. Yeah, who who has a fair amount of touchdowns to his games, and that that puts him in wide wide receiver two conversation already. So um, that's,
0: it's a good point. I haven't thought of his floor like that, but I you're right. I think both his value and production floor is underratedly high because he's gonna get 800 yards and eight touchdowns, which means you're at least wide receiver 30. So that's. That's a good point. I'm, I'm going to look into my rankings. I, I appreciate that perspective. Um, let's move on to the next pick. This is another one coming from Flair Spion. Um, we got team A moving into contention status. So this team before the trade had Josh Allen, Tua Tagovailoa, Jameer Gibbs, Javante Williams, Tony Pollard, Sky Moore and Elijah Moore with nothing else at receiver, and then TJ Hawkinson and Greg Dulcich. And then in this trade, oh, they also, I guess, had a Alave at that point in time. In this trade, they moved Elijah Moore, Chris Alave, and a 2024 first that hopefully is late for DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, Travis Etienne, and Tank Bigsby. What do you think about this one?
1: It's a hard one. Uh, It's a really, really hard one for me. Um, I'm on Team A's side. But I will say, like, I have a few... I need to clarify my position for a few of these players. Um, number one, I have Metcalf over Olave, which is significantly different than market. Um, I also am not so worried about Bigsby for Etienne, which a lot of people are, and they've soured on Travis Etienne because of uh, Bigsby. Um, I don't. I also, unlike many people in in the dynasty community, don't believe in cuffing running backs. Yeah, me too. Um, so having Bigsby in t- on T May's side, I don't necessarily like. That's not the bonus that most people would say. Um, but for me, you know, like let's let's just say I'm marking on Alave and and uh, and and Metcalf here. I think the difference between McLaurin and Elijah. Uh, negate that yeah. so then we're talking about getting Etienne for a 2024 first and I, I would take Etienne there um, I would say though that Elijah Moore is a huge sleeper for me Uh loved him before I think the Jets absolutely screwed him over last year he's now got Watson um, he's a completely different player than Cooper he compliments Cooper really well so I'm excited for Elijah Moore this year I think I think generally uh, both sides of this trade can walk away happy. Uh, team B, if they're a rebuilder, should be pretty happy with the assets they have from a, a long-term perspective. Team A, though, I think has the value here. Um And I, I think that they've kept their age low enough where this is the, exactly the type of deal that I would like to make if I was pushing into contention status.
0: Yeah, I mean, trading that 2024 first for Etienne and Bigsby, which is basically how I think about this, That's a move that I'm making. I already read off his team, but that team has a high enough floor with Josh Allen to Tony Pollard, Gibbs, now Etienne. It's going to end Hawkinson. It's going to be a solid enough team that it should make the playoffs. And then the whole Metcalf and McLaurin versus Alave and Elijah Moore. I think the value is a little bit on the McLaurin side. Um, The youth is on the Alave side. It's pretty even, but you're right. I like this trade for both sides. I probably would have preferred it for team B if the 2024 first was a little higher or if they got obviously another first in there, but as it is, it's a, it's a pretty solid trade. So no real disagreements here. Um, let's move on to the next one. Oh, all right. This next one was a crazy one and it was one of the cooler trades I've seen. So, uh, team a, enters this with a competitive team, a deep team, but their only quarterback is Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, Team B has Justin Fields, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes. So they end up trading Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, and for a return, they get Tua, Jameer Gibbs, Ramondre Stevenson, Jackson Smith-Ajigba, Amon Ra St. Brown, and a 2024 first-round pick. So to say that again, it's Allen and Mahomes for Tua, Gibbs, Ramondre, JSN, ARSB, and a 2024 first. What do you think?
1: What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I I mean to digest this quickly, I'm on team B side, but it's yeah. it's it's difficult. Um Two and Gibbs together, I'm taking over Mahomes. Uh, and then you are left with JSN, ASRB, the first, and Ramondre for uh, the other quarterback. And, you know, I hate I hate to say this, but Ramondre Stevenson holds first-round value. Yep. So he's a first. Jackson Smith and the Jigba, he's an he's a early first, really. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown's worth more than a first. And then you're adding a first. So you're talking about let's just say 5 firsts of value yeah. for one of these quarterbacks and if you're getting 5 firsts of first of value regardless of what the assets are you just have to do that deal um
0: yeah i don't think we need to spend too long on this one it's it's basically it like 8 to 9 firsts of value for allen and mahomes and these value i mean you have a diverse set of players you have they're all young but some of them have performed to a high level already um yeah, I'm taking Team B as well, but I want to
1: include... I actually think Team B is more like 10, 10 and a It half. might
0: be, yeah. I mean, if Tua's two, 2, Gibbs is 2, ARSB is 2, you could say JSN is 2, and then you have Ramondre in the first. So that's 10 right there. So I agree with you. Um, to Just to say, Team A was an absolute monster in this league, so they clearly had a lot of depth to give up. But I think that they overpaid. For I mean, this is
1: the, as we said before, this is why you want that. The, yep. the first or second pick in the draft, you just get deals. That done, nuts.
0: Yeah, this next one, I think we can touch on quickly as well. But this was submitted by Ginger Paradise, one of my patrons. Uh, we got team a receiving the 206 in the rookie draft and the 2024 first. And he gives up the 202, the 209 and Cole Komet. Um by the way, the first that Team A is receiving is from a team that is ranked ninth in redraft and seventh in dynasty. So that might be an early looking first.
1: Well, even if it was a late first, I'm on team A. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean you're getting a first for 202, and then you're getting 206 for 209 and cole Komet. Like cole Komet Seems doesn't easy. matter, and you're getting a first. So yeah, we'll go team A by quite a now, bit.
1: Quick question for you. If Kincaid fell to 202. Would you feel the same?
0: Um, I, with Kincaid, I would feel the same given that this first looks like it could be early. If it was a first that I was confident would be late, then I might take the, the Kincaid side. But given that this first could be early, I'm definitely sticking with the highest upside asset. Okay. All right. This is another one, another trade made by X factor who I believe put out the take that Jalen Waddle was better than CD lamb. So he traded. No. Okay. I take that back. You'll have a chance to defend yourself. Uh, you traded CD lamb for Jalen Waddle in a 2024 second. Um, and Twitter has said that the CD lamb side gets 43%. So the, the consensus is, is that CD lamb is not a second-round pick better than Jalen Waddell. Uh, do you want to explain how you view these two players?
1: Well, I got Waddle in the second. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I think Waddle is tremendously disrespected. Um, he is incredible, and he's in a great situation. Long-term, Tyreek Hill won't be there. He's going to be two as number one. There's not going to be another receiver that comes into Miami and is better than Jalen Waddle. Like he is an elite receiver as it is. He's the guy who broke the rookie reception record and then followed that up with a 1,350, 1350 yard season. I mean, and that's opposite Tyreek Hill. So he's incredible. C.D. Lamb has, uh, in my opinion, he's got, he's more physically gifted. He's, he's more gifted from a talent perspective and, Dak is as good of a quarterback as Tua and, you know, just as good of a a offensive system for uh, receivers. Um, Lamb, I think, you know, he's got a lot of his, a lot of his game needs to be cleaned up. And if he does do that, uh, we're looking at, you know, an all time great level player. Um, If he doesn't do that, we're still looking at a top notch Receiver. I, I'm super high on CD Lamb. CeeDee Lamb's my wide receiver three. Jalen Waddle's my uh, wide receiver four. They're back to back, but I, I give the edge to Lamb here. Um and Lamb being younger, you know, there's that too. So if uh if I'm moving one for the other, I'm not doing it for a third. So I need that second. And I think the second is you know, it's fair. It's if it, you you get the better player. Uh, you get the player you want, um, and you got to give something for that. And and while you may be losing on the value side by giving up Waddle in the second, if you, if you do view him as the better player and that's who you want, then that's the price.
0: Yeah. And, and listen, CeeDee Lamb had a great year three, but if you just compare their first two seasons, Jalen Waddle had... More fantasy points by 30, right? He has 11th most fantasy points since 2000 in his first two years. And the top 10 on that list are literally all Hall of Famers. It's Odell, Jefferson, Chase, AJ Green, AJ Brown, Marquez Colston, Josh Gordon, Larry Fitzgerald, Julio Jones, and Tyree Kill. So unless he is Josh Gordon and falls out of the league, Jalen Waddle is likely a Hall of Fame player and, as well.
1: And we have to note here that at least a third of those games, you know, most in the first yeah. year with Jacoby Brissett, And and a lot in the second year with Skylar Thompson, Teddy Bridgewater, at least a third of his games have been with non two quarterbacks. And in his his entire first year, Miami had a terrible offense. They did not have a lot of passing volume. So, you know, we're talking about a player who's done a crap ton in, in what I would say is a pretty bad situation.
0: Yep. Nope. Definitely agree. And one thing I want to point about Waddle, a lot of people talk about, how his expected points per game last year was pretty low. Uh, he was seventh in the league in terms of fantasy points over expected last year. But other players in the top 12 of that include Cooper Cup, A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, and T. Higgins. So really good players score more than the average player would, is, is the takeaway there. Um, let's move on to another, uh, Cole, another Cole Komet trade. Uh, We got team A, which is rebuilding, receiving Cole Komet and a 2024 first. And for that, they gave up Dalton Kincaid, Deontay Foreman, and Khalil Herbert. Um, Essentially, I view this trade as a 2024 first for Kincaid. Uh, Do you see this any differently? I don't. Yeah. And for that, it's, you know, I, I think there's more upside to the first in terms of value than Kincaid, but given that team B is contending and you assume that first is probably late. I think this is a pretty even trade. I agree. All right, cool. Uh, we got about 10 left, so maybe we try to fly through these a little quickly. Obviously if we have something to dive into, uh, we don't need to rush too much. Uh, this was another trade that I made. I don't think we'll need to spend too much time on. Uh, this is another league that you're in, uh, where I received Jonathan Taylor, for the price of Derek Carr, Jahan Dotson, Noah Fant, and a 2024 third-round pick. Thoughts here? I'm upset. (laughs) What are you upset about? Dude, this...
1: No, this shouldn't happen. (laughs) It's Jonathan Taylor by a landslide. I mean, come on, guys. Like Jonathan Taylor is one of the best running backs in the league with a tremendously high floor and... 2,000 yard, pre, 2,000 yard season upside. Like, come on, Derek Carr. What you a mid QB second? Jahan Dotson, the guy who's caught like 20 passes in his career. No fan, who's the perpetual disappointment of the league. Like, come on.
0: I don't think I have anything to add to that, except Jonathan Taylor is a massive buy right now. Um, the next trade we have is another one for Ginger Paradise, and another excellent one. Uh, he received a 2024 first and third and gave up Elijah Moore and two-thirds in 2023?
1: I think that's a great deal uh, uh, for the person selling Elijah Moore just based on where the market is now and the way you could repurpose that 2024 first. I would be looking to maybe use that 2024 first, throw on a second, get somebody like uh, Jerry Judy or Traylon Burks, um, which would give you a higher floor and just as much, if not more, upside than Elijah But um, I will say this, there is a world where Elijah Moore is worth more than that 2024 first next season.
0: Yep, there definitely is. I I would say this is a good trade for Team A, though, especially given that their redraft rank is 10th this year and their dynasty rank is first. So they have a very um, valuable young team, but they're a year away from contending. Meanwhile, the team giving up the first is fifth in in dynasty rank and sixth in redraft rank. They are an aging team with an average age over 27, which concerns me. So there might be some downside there that first could therefore have some upside and it's not like Elijah Moore is going to lift you to contention. So I I would not be giving up a first for Elijah Moore in basically any circumstance um, at the current time, but obviously that could change. Um, This next trade was submitted to me by Mike D 383. Uh, Team A receives Kyler Murray, Brandon Ayuk and a 2024 first Team B receives Justin Fields and Ramondre Stevenson and by the way that 2024 first is from a team ranked 7th in redraft and dynasty so kind of a borderline playoff team
1: this makes no sense (laughs) why Like this goes to our conversation earlier. Would you add a first to fields to go up to Allen? Like why are you adding a first to Kyler Murray? Who's a better quarterback just because he's got a, a injury for six weeks. Like, come on, if your team isn't going to make the playoffs by missing your quarterback for six weeks, then you shouldn't be spending a first to upgrade at quarterback. You're just not ready. So don't make this trade. And plus like, anyways, um,
0: yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, I understand if you're looking to, I mean, clearly this team, so they're seventh in dynasty and seventh in redraft before this trade. So they think that adding Ramondre and Justin Fields will propel them to the playoffs, which it probably will. But the issue here is that if you are seventh before this trade, you're not going to be top two after this trade. So you're, you're making a basically all-in negative value trade to not give you a good chance at a title. So I just don't think it's worth it.
1: And long-term this kills you, right? Because Ramondre Stevenson, regardless of how good he was last year or how good he's going to be next year is essentially a dead asset after this season because he's going to be too old uh, with too low of draft capital uh, to have anybody trust him. And he's probably in the best situation he'll ever have where the Patriots will either add a running back or they won't resign him because they'll replace him. So Montre Stevenson, you're talking about an incredibly short-term asset. Brandon Ayuk, he might not produce as much this year, but you know at least he's a young receiver uh, who's kind of locked into a, a second receiver role. And then you got that 2024 first, which is a, uh, a, uh, a long-term piece that you can trust. And Kyler Murray, I mean, six weeks, you wait. Probably not worth any less than Justin Fields. I, I just yep. don't understand this one.
0: It must have been a misevaluation between the Fields and Kyler Murray gap, but that gap is way, le- way, way, way less than a first. Um, I actually have Kyler above Justin Fields, but I understand that that's not consensus. Um, let's move on. We got another Kyler Murray trade. Jesus, and this is another home run. Uh, Team A received Kyler Murray and Rashad Bateman. By the way, this one's submitted by Coach Map, another patron here. Uh, So Team A gets Kyler and Rashad Bateman. Team B receives Jared Goff and Cooper Cup. Um, What do you think about this one?
1: You could take away Rashad Bateman, and I would require more than a first on top of Goff and Cup for Kyler.
0: Guys, guys, Kyler is – what is going on here? People are absolutely absurd with this Kyler Murray stuff. Do you forget that he has averaged the fourth most fantasy points since 2019? Like it is Lamar, Mahomes, and Allen. And then Kyler is above Joe Burrow, above Justin Herbert. Like, can we please look back and he's understand what type of player he is?
1: He's top six in points per game every single year. And yeah. you know, every single year. There's been injuries to his receiving core and he has had one of the worst offensive lines and one of is. the worst
0: coaching staffs. It's, it's it's
1: incredible. Like Kyler Murray is a good quarterback. Like he is actually really good at football. You don't believe me. Look at his accuracy metrics. And then you want to see his arm strength. Look at the, uh, DeAndre Hopkins hail Mary, where it was just like, all right, I'm going to launch this ball 70 freaking yards down the field. I mean, come on. Like,
0: yeah, Kyler it's, Murray is it's good. insane. I and, I I I own a lot of Kyler Murray, but I'm gonna need to buy some more because these prices are insane. It's crazy. All right. Uh, let's skip this one. All right, let's go to this is another one that you did that I really wanted to talk about. Mm. So you did two B. John Robinson trades. Um mm. this first one that we have here is for Jameer Gibbs and Quentin Johnston. And the second one is for essentially Jameer Gibbs and a first, and then you also get a first for Alec Pierce and a second. So it sounds like you were trading Bijan Robinson for Jameer Gibbs and you got good value on top. In one deal, you got Quentin Johnston. In another deal, you got basically two firsts for a second. So, what's your thought process here and how did those negotiations go?
1: So, uh, you know, out of the startup, uh, one of the biggest issues that many teams have is a lack of depth. And that's a, a big reason why people are hesitant to trade future draft capital is, you know, they need those because you're going to eventually need to flesh out your roster. You're going to need to build it out and and make sure that when injuries and bye weeks occur, you can put together a good lineup. Um, one of the things I've been grappling with over the past, I don't know, uh, month month or two is how how much better is Bijan than Gibbs. Yep. And I honestly, you know, from a talent perspective, solely based on talent, I don't think it's much. Um, but I do think that Bijan's going to walk into the league and be at bell cow and Jameer Gibbs. I don't think it, I think Jameer Gibbs is probably going to get like 15 to 17 touches per game. Now, like
0: that would what be are, awesome. I would, what, I would be thrilled. By the way, if he got seventeen touches, fifteen right. touches a game.
1: But what, what are those touches like? Is he going to be used near the end zone at all? Like, is he going to get touchdowns? He's certainly going to get plenty of passing opportunities. Yeah, um, and, and
0: and I think that's the key. It's 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 hard to project Bijan right. Robinson's receiving workload from a young, at least initially. I think he should get a lot of catches, but you can't pencil a guy like Bijan in for eight catches, like I think you can with Jameer Gibbs.
1: But I I pencil him in for catches, actually. He because... should.
0: I mean, he should. But they no. just don't throw a lot. And when they do throw, it's a lot of play action, which means it's not going to go to Bijan. And it's a lot of uh really like two read, one read options where it's just London and Pitts running routes. So... I I, I I think th- I think Bijan can get forty catches, but he's not going to get eighty like it.
1: Here's where I'm going to push back here, and, and like it's a yeah. significant disagreement. I don't think we can say what the Falcons do at all because it's yeah. it's a relatively new coaching staff, and they've never had like their running backs have been what's his name Algier and Cordarel Patterson. Like these are.
0: But Corderell Patterson is a, but he's a former wide receiver. And, and even you look at Derrick Henry, who obviously didn't have a good receiving profile, but as soon as Derrick Henry had never been over 18 catches in a year. And as soon as Arthur Smith left, he had 35 catches last year.
1: Corderell Patterson was a former wide, former wide receiver, but he was a former, he was a a a bad wide receiver. And then being a wide receiver out of, uh, out of the running back position, is very, very different, both both fundamentally and just like... That's fair. It's just timing. Everything's different about it. And Bijan is... He is smooth. He is very, very smooth in the pass game. But for this, I mean, like Quentin Johnson, I'm not as high on him as others are, but if I could flip Quentin Johnson for DJ Moore... Which you can do. Which you can do. And now you're talking DJ Moore and Jameer Gibbs... We're now negating any sort of floor upside or elevation of floor that Bijan brings because you got DJ Moore, who's probably going to be a, a high-end wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver one, as Justin Fields' uh, main target, and then you get Jameer Gibbs, who is he really worse than Bijan? We don't. Yeah, make- and,
0: and and this is where I'm going to relate this back to an earlier discussion we had where we were talking about would you trade up from Dak to fields and pay a late first? Yeah, you might do that. And Jameer goes right around Dak and Bijan goes right around fields, but you, I would not pay a first to get from Jameer Gibbs to Bijan Robinson because neither of these players have proven anything. And I think they have, I mean, Bijan has higher upside because he, he could get 275 carries, which I don't think Jameer Gibbs can get, but I don't think it's that far apart. I, I was on the smash except pod last week, or it might've been earlier this week. I don't know. Time flies. And uh, I was talking about how I, I am putting Jameer Gibbs pretty close to Bijan Robinson. Not, I wouldn't trade it for a second, but if you can get a guy like Quentin Johnston, a fifth round startup pick, or like you did in your next trade, if you can get two first round picks, those are absolutely moves that I'm making.
1: Now I have a question for you. Uh, if you can go back to the other slide. Yeah. Um sorry, go ahead. So philosophically, something I like to do when I'm I'm trading down from a guy like Bijan to Jameer Gibbs, where they're similar assets. And when I say similar, they're highly drafted rookie running backs, you know, there's yeah. risk there. What I'll try and do when I'm trading down is increase my floor elsewhere and Quentin Johnston doesn't do that, right? No. So like for you, are you more are you looking more at the objective value of Quentin Johnston or are you concerned at all with what Quentin Johnston represents? Because you know if you're going from what we view as a fairly safe generational talent in Bijan to two guys that everyone's high on but have considerably more risk, you know, this could turn into a bad trade quick
0: it could. I I personally just am looking at value because I'm in 90 leagues, so I don't really care. I don't care if this trade specifically turns out poorly because these two players happen to miss. Because if you make enough trades and they're all positive EV, then over time it's going to even out. But if I were in fewer leagues, if I were in five or fewer leagues, like most people who listen are, then I would start to consider things like that. So that's a good point. I'd probably be more likely to trade Bijan for, let's say, I don't know, Tony Pollard and Jameer Gibbs because Pollard can replace Bijan's production plus maybe in year one Mm -hmm. and you get Gibbs production and you get the upside in the future. So I I get where you're coming from and that's a good point to make. Um, let's move on to another trade. I want to, uh, make sure I hit on, on all these patron trades before we sign off here. Okay. I did think we got them all, but I want to hit on this one, which you sent me, which, uh, two, two, uh, uh, owners who we talked to quite a bit, uh, made a trade. It was FF Mad and 87 carry. We have team B receiving Jamar Chase, Nick Chubb and Darnell Mooney, and they gave up Jalen Waddle, Travis Etienne, Kenneth Walker, and Christian Watson. So it's kind of similar to the Mahomes trades we talked about earlier. You're getting Chase, you're getting Nick Chubb, and the throw-in in Darnell Mooney, but you're giving up four pretty top assets in Waddle, Etienne, Walker, and Watson. What do you think about this one?
1: Oh man, I am so far on the Waddle side here. It's not even funny. Um, I just I like please tell me why. Jamar Chase is viewed as leaps and bounds ahead of Jalen Waddle. Like it's a, to me, Jamar Chase is closer to CeeDee Lamb and Jalen Waddle than he is Justin Jefferson. And so I dis
0: I I disagree with that. I mean, if you want me to tell you why, it's because Jamar Chase has averaged 19 points a game in his first two years of his career. Jalen Waddle has averaged 15. So that that's that's just the reason. If you want it,
1: so if you if you actually like. Go based on. I mean, yes, those are the points per game, but Jamar Chase has also scored a lot more touchdowns.
0: Yeah, but that's going to continue. I mean, I think he's a better red zone threat than jo- than Jalen Waddle is.
1: I don't necessarily agree. Uh, I I don't think that there's anything that Jamar Chase has done that makes him a better red zone threat or touchdown threat overall than Jalen Waddle, other than having more opportunities and a few lucky plays.
0: I mean, being being matched with Joe Burrow, and I know we love to attack but he is not Joe Burrow, and there is a lot more risk to him than there is to a guy like Joe Burrow, certainly helps. His historical production, I mean, they're just on different trend lines. Like Jamar Chase is trending towards being one of the all-time great receivers, while Tyree Hill is trending towards being a Hall of Fame receiver. Or sorry, not Tyree Hill, Jalen Waddle. So this isn't a slight on Waddle. But getting back to the trade, I mean, I completely agree with you. Like, if you want to say that Nick Chubb is equal to Kenneth Walker or Travis Etienne, I I disagree with you, but I get it. But if you can trade Jamar Chase and you downgrade to Waddle, you get a free, let's say, Etienne, and you get a Christian Watson on top of that, who, you know, I really like, and that minimum is worth a first-round pick. You're basically getting... Two and a half first round picks of value for moving from Chase to Waddle. And in that sense, I completely agree with you that it is not nearly that big of a divergence there.
1: I mean, I'll just say this right here. Between receptions per game, Waddle 5.4, Jamar Chase 5.8. Not a big difference. Catch percentage. And we're going to say, yo, we got two supremely accurate quarterbacks here. We have Jamar Chase 64%. You got Jalen Waddle at sixty nine point six percent edge. Waddle yards per reception. uh, For these are career numbers, by the way. You got Jamar Chase fourteen point nine. Jalen Waddle thirteen point two after only having nine point eight in his rookie year, followed by a league leading eighteen point one his second year. There's not much here that Jamar Chase is saying. Wow, I am on a crazy trajectory relative to Jalen Waddle. It's Like people want to want to think this, but the numbers don't support
0: it. So, okay. So the main differences are so over their first two seasons of the career, Chase has played in four less games and has eight more touchdowns. I do not think that is coincidence. I think Chase is more talented and more likely to get more touchdowns in the future, but I get what you're saying about how that is more of a high variance number that could regress to the mean. And if you look at some other things like, Yards per target, Chase has 9.5, Jalen Waddell is 9.2. That's pretty close. Targets, Chase has 262, Jalen Waddell has 257, but has played four more games. I mean, it's not, Jamar Chase is not twice as good. He's not 50% better. He is 20% better, but I get what you're saying, that that doesn't necessarily mean he should be worth leaps and bounds. I I think what this is saying, and which I tend to agree with in a sense is that wide receiver is just so, so deep. Like there's so many great wide receivers here. I know you're talking about Jalen Waddle, but Amon Ross St. Brown and CD lamb have similar numbers when talking about their first two years of their career. So a guy like Jamar chase and Justin Jefferson are so expensive that if you can downgrade in a situation like this and pick up, you know, three other top tier assets, which is what you're doing. Uh, I I definitely endorse that as well.
1: I, I agree that you should be taking team A here, but like if we break it down, let's just say Jamar Chase is over Waddle by a good bit, right? Yeah. So we're, we'll say Christian Watson and Nick Chubb are a wash. They go yep. around the same spot and start. Now we're saying Travis Etienne and Ken Walker for Darnell Mooney. Yeah. You're telling me that that's the difference between Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle? I mean, you can get rid of one of those players entirely, and then you're going to say travis etienne or uh the difference between travis etienne and darnell mooney is the difference between jamar chase and Jalen. like what what the hell like come on
0: i i i completely agree this is just someone getting a little bit too thirsty for jamar chase um all right with that i think we have reviewed uh most of the trades but as many as we're gonna get to for today it's getting pretty late here uh before we sign off, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Of course, uh, Jacob, you want to remind everyone of your uh, new identity?
1: Yes, uh, I am Dynasty X Factor. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty X Factor. And I'll be popping on here from time to time to chop it up with Mike Ovier
0: Yep, absolutely. Make sure to follow him. Uh, stay tuned on this Dynasty's old Town feed. And thank you for listening to this podcast. We'll be back with you with another one very soon.